0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the President of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. You know, on this podcast, I try to be as practical as possible. I talk about uh, real issues that we face in real-life ministry situations. And so today, I want to talk about um, how to maintain what I call a, a thick skin and a soft heart. Now, This started for me in a conversation a few days ago with another uh, ministry veteran, let's just say another old-timer like me. We were talking about uh, some of the advice that we received when we first started out in ministry and and how it had helped us over the years, and he said one of the most important conversations he had as a young minister was this. A mentor uh, put his arm around him and whispered in his ear, develop thick skin, but keep a tender heart. And my friend then told me, that's been harder than I thought it would be. He said, it's easier to develop a thin skin and a hard heart. Now, that conversation, thick skin, soft heart, as opposed to thin skin, hard heart, reminded me of a conversation I also had early on in ministry leadership. Now, it wasn't when I first started out in ministry. It was when I first left pastoral ministry and became a denominational executive. I went to uh, one of the first meetings I attended, and a vice president from another agency was at this meeting. He and I had a friendship, so we were talking about my recent transition from pastoral ministry into being a state executive director, and what that might mean you know, for my future and for going forward, and for all the things you talk about when you're just getting started in a new role. And he said, Jeff, one of the hardest challenges you will face is not becoming cynical as you learn more and more about the inner workings of ministry leadership, especially in denominational life. He said, don't succumb to cynicism. Well, when he told me that, I thought, well, that'll never happen to me. Well, it hasn't happened, but I want you to know I've had to fight against that because you learn uh, about circumstances, you see into situations, you're privy to information that sometimes leaves you jaded and, and frustrated and can lead to cynicism. So how is it that we as we progress in ministry leadership and as we get more and more responsibility as pastors and denominational leaders, counselors, worship leaders, youth pastors, as we progress in ministry and we gain more and more information and more and more insight and have more and more experiences, how do we keep a thick skin and a soft heart? How do we avoid cynicism that undermines our effectiveness and creates bitterness and rancor and anger within us, how do we avoid this problem? So let me see if I can give you a few thoughts today. First of all, why is this such a problem for us as ministry leaders? Well, I'll highlight about three reasons. First, we deal with people in their worst moments and in no-win situations. I I'm just thinking through right now some of the situations I've had to deal with over the years. Awful things that people have done to each other. Horrible things. Situations that are so complex, so convoluted, have so many moving parts that are so wrong that it's almost impossible to sort out what to do. They are no-win situations. Uh, These are the kind of situations that I find myself praying this prayer. Lord, this is a mess. There's nothing that can be done apart from you somehow getting us to a place where there's good that comes from this. And I've learned to define the good that comes from some things pretty basically. Because quite frankly, some situations in ministry are just a mess. What people do to each other when they're at their worst is awful. And getting involved in that demoralizes us as ministry leaders and can leave us jaded and thinking what possibly could happen next. I was talking with one veteran leader once and he said, you know, I've always believed that sin has depraved us. And he said, I even believe in total depravity. But he said, I am still, after all these years, amazed at what that means and what people can do to each other. And quite honestly, this can harden up your heart, leave you jaded, discouraged, bitter, without any real confidence or hope in people or in the possibilities of people. It can be a bad situation. Second, it's easy to get a hard heart, develop cynicism, because we're involved with people emotionally, um, pastoral ministry and ministry leadership in general is an emotional engagement with people. Uh, we're not detached; we're engaged. We're involved. We're connected. When people hurt, we hurt, and when people hurt people around us, we can easily take up offense or be uh, involved in that uh, in that conflict. We are wounded because we're emotionally vulnerable in situations. And when that's happened to you a few times, when you've really been hurt, are people that you love have been hurt, are people around you have been hurt, it is easy to callous over your heart and become defensive, uh, to say that you just won't ever let anybody get in there again and do that to you, to be cold toward people, to keep people at an arm's length, it's easy to do when you've been wounded, because you've been emotionally vulnerable with people. And then another reason is because ministry leaders can get so caught up in meeting the needs of others, we become preoccupied with with those needs, that we neglect spiritual self-care. We forget to take care of ourselves. Um, we forget to have our devotional time. We forget to, uh, to, in, to have worship times. We forget to pull away from time to time and rest. We, we don't take care of ourselves, and because of that, we can find ourselves in burnout, and that leads to just a deadness of heart toward people and toward ministry. Now, listen carefully. These situations I've just described—dealing with people at their worst in no-win situations, being emotionally engaged with people, leading to emotional vulnerability for ministry leaders—and uh, the important and the and the challenge of maintaining self-care and of keeping up with uh, keeping ourselves aligned spiritually and keeping ourselves healthy spiritually, these things I've just mentioned, now get this, these are occupational hazards of ministry leadership. What I mean is they must be managed. They cannot be avoided. For example, you can't say, well, I just won't deal with anybody in a messy situation. (laughs) Ha! You can't decide that. If you're going to be involved with pastoral ministry and leading people, you are going to occasionally wake up and say, what in the world are these people doing to each other and why did I get involved with this? You will find yourself in the middle of a messy, messy situation. You say, well, I I think there's always a win. There's no no no-win situations. Well, that's your perspective, and I respect it if you hold that, but I can't agree with you. I am... I have dealt with situations where there was so much brokenness, so much evil, so much difficulty that while there may be some way out of it that we could ultimately say was the best that could possibly happen and we'd see the good in that, there is really no way that anyone can walk away from some situations unscathed. They are no win and you have to face up to that reality. And then Listen, you can't say, well, I just won't get emotionally involved with people. You will get emotionally involved if you're a ministry leader. It's inevitable. This, isn't, this is part of who we are. It's what we do. We're, we're not uh, operating machines. We're working with people. Uh, we're not uh, dealing with uh, numbers on, a, on a, a spreadsheet. We're dealing with humans that have real situations that engage us and, and touch us deeply. So these kinds of things I'm describing are not things you can avoid. They're things you have to learn how to manage. So, if these are realities of ministry, that we're going to deal with messy situations, we're gonna deal with no-win situations, we're gonna be emotionally exposed and vulnerable because of the engagement that we have in these kind of situations, if we're gonna struggle with self-care and have to work at it and stay focused on it and be sure we don't neglect it, if these are things that have to be managed, then how can we do that more effectively? Well, first of all, let's talk about the key to keeping a soft heart. The key to keeping a soft heart is maintaining vital, regular, personal, devotional practices. Now, let me talk about two or three of these that I think are particularly important in this regard. The first one is maintaining a habit of daily Bible reading. Now, I haven't read the Bible every day that I've been a ministry leader, but I've read it most days. So my goal is... Regular reading with a goal of daily, God's Word. I keep it simple. Um, I read two chapters a day. I use a basic Bible reading plan where I don't have to think every morning when I pick up my Bible, what am I going to read today? I, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm reading, and I just follow the pattern. Now that doesn't mean I don't change the pattern or change the plan from time to time. Uh, for example, uh, for, for a couple of years, I, I read through the New Testament two chapters at a time. And then for a while, I read the New Testament by reading a chapter from the Gospels and a chapter from the, from, the, from the letters. And I moved through the New Testament sort of <clears throat> in two giant loops, one in the Gospels and Acts and one in the rest of the New Testament. Right now, I'm reading The Life of David uh, for a number of reasons, I've wanted to revisit his life and so I went back to the beginning and I'm reading two chapters a day and reading, reflecting, thinking about what his life meant, principles that emerge from his life and how they p- impact me as a leader. So I typically choose a section of scripture um, or a character from scripture or some pattern that I can follow for several days if not months and I stay with that. So regular bible reading nourishes my heart and helps keep it soft and then growing out of that of course is regular prayer and i mean by that personal prayer not just intercession for others but personal prayer where i find myself after reading the bible praying god these principles i see in scripture today or this insight you've shown me today work that into my life and then god the things that concern me today, the ministry challenges I'll face, the people I will encounter, sensitize me to your Spirit's guidance as I work in every one of these situations. And then particular problems or issues that I'm dealing with, Lord, help me to know exactly what to do about those situations and to know exactly how to uh, to, uh, to find and follow your will in these matters. That's the kind of praying I'm talking about—personal praying that sensitizes my heart to God and asks Him to work through me and in me in in my ministry situation. So, keeping a soft heart starts with personal, or is 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 uh, is is done by regular, vital, personal devotional practices. And the first two of these for me are Bible reading and prayer. But now I want to add a third one, and this one is so important and it's so neglected, and that is practicing the discipline of rest, the discipline of rest. Now, this came to me the hard way. I started out in ministry as a driven, uh, legalistic uh, workaholic. I was convinced that I was gonna work myself into an early grave and somehow that honored God. But in my mid-20s and back in the 1980s, Ann and I had a very significant confrontation over this issue. Now i won't go into all that today i've written about it in some of my books and i've talked about another context so it's not so much a secret as it just i don't want to take the time on the podcast today but it was a pretty significant conflict and out of that conflict um, i begrudgingly admitted that i needed to start taking some time off and spending that time recovering personally and investing it in my family and so i started doing that we ann and i started uh, spending one day a week on our sabbath day a day that we identified that would have no um, uh, ministry efforts attached to it, and really we even try not to even talk about church or ministry on those days. So for us, we define the Sabbath as a day not advancing our cause. In other words, a day that we don't apply ourselves to the work that God has given us. And we've been holding to that now since the mid-1980s. Now you say, well, do you make it happen every week? No, we don't. I'm being honest, we just don't. There's 52 weeks a year, and Ann and I probably practice a Sabbath rest day uh, between 42 and 45 weeks a year. Um, There's just some weeks that we have incredibly busy ministry demands. Uh, There's some weeks that uh, travel schedules keep me from having a full day of Sabbath rest, and so I, I get maybe just a part of a day or something like that. But most weeks, most weeks we have a day Uh, That we pull away uh, and we disengage and we focus on uh, our own relationship. We focus on doing things together. We do things at home. But mainly we disengage our minds from our ministry responsibilities and try to focus on rest and recovery for that day. Now, why is this so important to maintaining a soft heart? Because rest rejuvenates us physically. Rest refocuses us spiritually by reminding us that it all doesn't depend on us. It really depends on God. Uh, rest helps us get new perspective and back up mentally and see things from a different light. And help, And if you're married, rest can help you to reconnect with your spouse and just have a breather where you don't talk about ministry and you do talk about other things that you enjoy, uh, your lives together and things you're planning to do, places you plan to go things you're reading and enjoying, shows you're watching and laughing about, those kinds of things. Rest is vital to preventing burnout. Burnout is when you reach a place of exhaustion that is more than just your normal daily fatigue and a night's sleep doesn't help you recover. You know you're in burnout because you're discouraged, you're short-tempered, you've lost emotional perspective, uh, you don't have spiritual passion. You, you, You can read books and find out all the symptoms of it. But when it happens, one of the key aspects of recovery from it is rest. And one of the key things that prevents it is practicing uh, the discipline of rest. So how do you keep a soft heart? Well, practice vital, regular, personal devotional practices. And what are some of those? Well, for me, Bible reading, prayer, and rest are the keys to keeping a soft heart. Now you say, well, there's other spiritual disciplines like scripture memory and And public worship. And listen, I'm not saying any of these other things aren't that helpful or that you shouldn't do them. Don't misunderstand me. But I am saying that certain things have been more vital to me and more helpful to me in this particular area, and I've tried to highlight them today. Now, that's about keeping a soft heart. Now let's talk about how you develop thicker skin. How do you develop a thicker skin without getting a harder heart? Well, first of all, don't personalize every problem. Just because you have to deal with it doesn't mean you caused it or it's directed toward you. I've learned to let some things hit me and be absorbed into that thick skin, if you will, and recognize this is a serious problem. This problem is something I'm going to have to deal with. It's something that I've been brought into because I'm president or because I'm pastor. But this is not at the core my problem. It's not at the core something I caused. And it's not at the core something I have to solve. This is particularly important, for example, in marriage counseling. Pastors are bombarded by information from couples that are in trouble. And if you internalize all that uh, and let it affect you emotionally and become so engaged with it that you're not able to be objective about dealing with the problems, then you're going to find yourself hardening up on the inside just to resist the pain that you feel from what you're taking in. So, when you're dealing with a couple in conflict, you may be dealing with the problem, you may be interfacing with the problem, you may even feel some responsibility to help them find solutions to the problem. But remember, you didn't cause the problem, and ultimately, you're not going to solve the problem. They caused the problem, and if they're going to find a solution, they're going to find that solution. And you can release yourself from the emotional burden of having to solve their problems by recognizing that if they don't solve the problem, you may have still done everything you could do in the situation and can walk away with a clear conscience and a right sense of, I did all I could do even though the problem itself was not solved. So first step toward developing a thicker skin, if you will, is not personalizing every problem, owning every situation, and making every crisis you encounter one that you are both responsible to solve and uh, take on, assume the responsibility that you somehow caused. Second, another way to develop uh, thicker skin is to work on having a long-term perspective on ministry issues and a long-term perspective on problems you encounter. When I first started out in ministry, I thought every problem was an emergency and everything had to be dealt with immediately, and everything that came up was somehow my responsibility to fix uh, for all kinds of reasons, mostly driven by my own insecurities and by my passion to have perfection around me and for people to think that I had everything all together all the time. But getting past all of that, I finally uh, getting past all that was essential, and what helped me to do that was to develop some perspective. Uh, just because a problem comes to me doesn't mean it's a real emergency. Just because somebody brings an issue to my attention and demands I do something about it doesn't mean I have to do anything about it. Uh, I've learned that sometimes if I'll just let things kind of bounce off of me, little thicker skin, you know, little thicker skin, just bounce off of me and rebound back and leave alone for a few days, everyone understands that problem probably wasn't that urgent in the first place. And there's no real need for anyone to be up in arms about solving it in the short run. I've learned that, that, um, to have what I like to call relaxed concern. <laughs> Something hits me, yeah, I'm concerned about that, but I'm going to have relaxed concern about that. I'm going to let it bounce off me for a while and sort of sit there, maybe sit there on my e- in my email folder or sit there on my desk or sit there in the conversation I'm having with someone, but I'm not going to internalize or rush to solve every problem in the immediacy of the moment that it first presents itself. I've thickened up a little bit, if you will. I let things impact me but bounce off a bit i let things come to me and i sort of take them in but i also set them aside and say let's let this one stew a little while and see what happens before we move along i uh i i learned how to do this with one particular person early on in pastoral ministry i had a person who would call me and say you know, we're having an argument, we're fighting, we're throwing things, we are we need to see you, we need to see you right now. And I would, oh yes, yes, we need to see you right now. And so like a, you know, fire truck racing to the fire, I would rush to my office and this couple would come and they would yell and scream at each other in my presence and I would pray and I would counsel them and I would try to help them and and they would patch up their relationship and they would walk out the door and I would think, wow, you know, we solved that problem. And then I would go home and, you know, uh, I have to recover from spending hours dealing with this issue and taking time away from all the other things I had to do. And so now I'm getting frustrated and anger and now my heart's not soft anymore. Okay, you, you follow me. Well, after two or three times of doing this, they called once and I said, you know, um, I, I, I want to help you, but I have another engagement tonight that I can't break, so I'll see you tomorrow what time would you like to come? And they said, well, we need to come early. We can't wait. We need to come in the morning. And I said, all right, how about 9 o'clock? 9 o'clock it is. Guess what? 9 o'clock the next morning came. They didn't show up. You see, it was an urgent moment the night before when they were yelling at each other. But the next morning, when we were going to more calmly really work on the problem, no. They didn't want to come and talk to me. I repeated this pattern with some other people. I had a young man that was the same way. He would get in a crisis, and he would call me. I need to see you, Pastor. Please, can I see you? And I would always see him. And then I realized after two or three or four times of doing that, that I was meeting with him, and I was doing triage, but we weren't really making any changes. He wasn't really doing anything differently. And then he called, and I said, you know, I hear what you're saying, um, and I can't meet with you today. But if you'll come tomorrow at lunch, I'll buy your lunch, and I'll talk with you about your problem. He never showed up. Now, what I'm saying is that just because a problem uh, comes into your awareness, don't assume every one of those problems has to be solved in the moment. And if you can't solve them in the moment, there's something wrong with you as a leader. Or if you don't respond to them in the moment, there's something wrong with you as a leader. Develop some perspective. Some problems aren't as real as people say they are. Some problems will solve themselves if you'll leave them alone for a day or two. Some problems will simply go away because people recognize they really don't want to work with the problem. They just want to burn up your time venting emotionally about what they're dealing with. So it's helped me to thicken up a little bit to recognize I don't have to take in every single problem that comes to me. I can set some of them aside and say, let's work on that one a different way or at a different time. And it's amazing how sometimes they just go away. Then here's another thing. It's helped me to have a little thicker skin to Learn what constitutes a real problem. You know, I used to get really upset about things and uh, and let a lot of things get to me that, that just don't anymore because I've developed more of a global perspective on what's a real problem. You know, for example, I, I recently traveled in another country and I was with Christian leaders who face daily persecution. They serve without compensation. They, they, they don't get any money for what they do. They... Uh, have very few ministry resources. They have a Bible, and that's about it. Now you say, "Well, that's enough." Well, think about it. No curriculum. No no Bible study helps. No, no commentaries. No no uh, no resources like that to help them. And they they live in what we would consider pretty primitive conditions when i visited the homes of some of these ministry leaders there was a there was a uh, it was it was like a concrete box they lived in in their apartment complexes uh, you know just just uh, a, a one one room with one window and one door a little cook stove in the corner bathroom either down the hall or out, out outside in a in a public setting or outside in an outhouse type format primitive conditions look Ministry leaders around the world face persecution, serve without compensation, have limited resources, and have very, very primitive living conditions. So when someone comes to me and says, I'm upset because the thermostat doesn't work in our room correctly, I'm like, you know, that's a problem, but it's not that big a problem. Let's have some perspective here. Let's, let's recognize what constitutes a real problem And let's try to focus our attention on really working on just those kinds of issues. So over the years, um, without developing a jaded or a hard heart, without getting calloused or cynical about people or their problems or ministry situations I encounter, I have developed a thicker skin about dealing with some of these things. They just don't impact me like they used to. And the reason they don't is because I've learned not to personalize every problem, to develop some perspective on problems that some of them just aren't as big a deal as people make them out to be, and they really don't want solutions, they just want emotional triage, and I'm not willing to give that any longer. And then third, global ministry leaders have helped me understand what constitutes a real problem, so that so many things that people get so upset about these days, I've learned to just sort of let roll off of me, because quite honestly, it's just not worth the time and energy to devote to that kind of issue. So... I've accepted the challenge that my friend gave me a number of years ago. Don't become cynical. Don't develop, as my other friend recently told me, a hard heart and a thin skin. Instead, work on developing a soft heart for ministry leadership. Bible reading, prayer, rest. Take care of yourself spiritually. Keep your heart tender toward God and sensitive to the true needs of people around you. But at the same time, toughen up a bit. Recognize that not every problem is your problem, not every problem has to be solved in the moment, and not everything that people call a problem is really all that big a deal. Develop some global perspective. These are some steps to keeping this equation in order let's keep a soft heart and have a little thicker skin and let's work really hard not to be thin skinned people in ministry leadership who have hard hearts full of cynicism and bitterness and a critical nature toward the people and the work we do it's a challenge but you can meet it as you lead on